and welcome to episode number 15 of the D&D Music Factory podcast. I am David. And I'm Dan. And today, Dan, we're taking a little bit of a, a change of direction here. What are, what are we talking about today? This week, we are going to be counting down the 10 best wrestling theme songs. Professional wrestling or wrestling, depending on where you come from. Uh, this is the 10 best entrances for our, fi- not our favorite wrestlers per se, but our favorite theme music when they boom, the lights hit, the crowd goes silent and the music comes on and they come down the ramp. Who has the best song to walk them into the ring? Yep. And since this one is a much more limited pool than any of the other um, subjects that we've talked about so far, Dan and I had to do a little bit of negotiating because uh, we grew up watching and liking a lot of the same wrestlers and enjoying some of the same things. So um, there's a little bit of a give and take this week. We almost had to do a, uh, like a fantasy football style draft in order to <laughs> to make sure that we weren't all you know both picking the same songs. But uh, but in the end, we we actually I think got a pretty good diverse list, and I think anybody who grew up in the late 90s early 2000s watching wrestling like we did as kids um, is gonna enjoy this because it's pretty much almost all from that era because that's I mean at least for me the last time I watched it so in my mind the golden age yeah the attitude era um, like I, I still watch it from time to time but definitely not the way I did as a kid yeah as a kid it was like must see TV on like Mondays and Fridays and then you know we were talking about neither of us were lucky slash spoiled enough to get the pay-per-views um, yeah almost never but you could always rent them from hollywood video or blockbuster which was kind of dope so or i would watch them on uh on the scrambled channel yeah you could try that you could hear it you could try sometimes. that yeah like i remember hearing uh when owen hart passed away oh my god wait you watched that on like a like i a... didn't get to watch it because it was scrambled scrambled but you, channel you watched the scrambled channel you hear feed of it? the scrambled channel and they were oh my like, gosh oh lord we need to cut to commercial there's been a tragedy oh my gosh and like that was yeah and then like the next day it was all over like the newspapers and everything yeah uh i mean a huge tragedy that 100 percent could have been avoided and i don't blame the hart family for or Bret Hart for fucking hating Vince McMahon for it. Yeah, there was so it was it was honestly really fun doing a lot of this research, but there's so much shit they got away with like in that era that like I cannot believe. So like, there's a they there, they were putting people on crosses, hanging people like it. The it was, buried alive matches. It was unbelievable shit. When Stone Cold, I mean, they had a guy pull a gun. <laughs> I don't know, Brian Pillman. Yeah, on the one episode pulled a gun. Dude, there was there was one. I was watching one of the intros, and they're just, like, casually talking about how Stephanie McMahon was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. But, like, <laughs> that was just, like, a, like a, a storyline that they would just have where, like, someone's daughter was just kidnapped. And that was just, like, a casual thing you could mention And Dude, they while, had, while, while somebody's walking down into the ring. They had a ladder match for the custody of a child. Like, that was one what? of the greatest between Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio Jr. for the custody of Dominic. If you haven't seen that match, go on YouTube right now. It's fucking incredible. There's a couple big blown spots in it, but like it's not really their fault, and it's a great match. It was incredible. Uh, Eddie probably at his peak uh, at that point. Rey Mysterio was a fun wrestler to watch too. Oh right? yeah, it was a for huge, sure, man. Huge Rey Mysterio. Like what great moves. Yeah. Really brought. Really, I mean, was a big movement of bringing that lucha culture to American wrestling and showing yeah. everybody that. Absolutely. I'll never forget uh, when they removed his mask. That was that was big time. And then Kevin Nash just came in. Like the next thing, which is like holding it up, just taunting him. Man. Yeah, that was huge. I mean, in that big, lucha that big culture, stuff. that's considered like the most embarrassing thing that can happen is to be unmasked. Uh, but yeah, that was really a great angle that they did. And then I remember he wrestled for a little while without the mask yeah. after that. Yeah, he did. And then put it back on. I was like, fuck this. Like, yeah. <laughs> the he was mask def- is awesome. He was definitely a better character. Like the, um, I don't remember like all the Latin wrestlers' names, but there were a lot of them that had, like, really cool masks that always made it, like... Oh, dude, the best was uh, Psychosis. I was just gonna say, fucking Psychosis was the coolest one. He had those, like, fucking shoulder pad things, yeah, too. Like and he the was... helmet was real wide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, him, La Parca, who always oh, had the chair. Yeah. Uh, he was fucking great, man. Uh, so, yeah. so many good memes. Loved it. Wrestling the, was the best when we were kids. The LWO organization just had so many good wrestlers in there. That was fun. Like, Juventud Guerrero, Chavo Jr., like... R.I.P. Chavo Senior. Uh, yeah, as discussed in previous my, one of my previous episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah. So obviously, you know, this was this is a big part of of growing up in in our childhood. Like this, everybody in school was talking Nine, about this. Nineties pop culture for teenage boys meant wrestling. Yep. We uh, weren't the video games. Oh, the, revenge! Like, the merchandise, like dude, WrestleMania two thousand, dude, having yeah. your big Stone Cold Austin three sixteen T shirt. Oh yeah, telling each other to suck it. Yeah, <laughs> from DX. Dude, there's so so many good memories. I remember your your younger brother Ryan. Yeah, in our like middle school. Photo I think it was elementary school. Has his hands crossed on his lap in the X. Still denies it to my parents to this day. Still I think. denies that he did it intentionally. But yeah, but he's definitely the second the photo came out, he was like, "Guys, look at this!" <laughs> we we're like, "Oh my god, so he got to suck it into the massive photo." It was incredible. Unreal, man. All right, so um. Damn, I, there's not going to be too many of them probably this week, but what are some of your um, B-sides? J- what just missed the cut? Yeah, so some missed the cut because we can only choose five. Um, so one of the ones that missed it for me was Battle Cry, uh, which is the new theme for Kenny Omega. Uh, wrestles for AEW. If you've gotten a chance to watch that promotion, it's fucking great. Um, another mixed one for me was the Big Show theme song. Well, um, it was just so – it had such great pop. From that initial like hit, uh, the whole crowd would go nuts. And then uh, my final mispick was uh, Living Colors' Cold of Personality, which was used by CM Punk uh, when he debuted in the WWE. And also, I think he used to also use it in Ring of Honor, but I'm not positive on that. But uh, yeah, I thought that was a really good, really good intro, really cool. Uh, WWE is usually very against using um, copyrighted music. Huh, Just because Vince McMahon doesn't want to give anyone else any of his dollars. Uh, <laughs> so they don't usually have a lot of it. But I always thought that was a really cool song to intro in, uh, you know, drum roll into big riff and just really fun up tempo track. Yep. Uh, you could definitely see why somebody would want to use that. Yeah, man. Uh, Dave, do you have any that didn't make the cut for you? Yeah. So two really like synthy ones with Gold Dust and Jake the Snake um, that just missed out for me. And then um, another much older one, um, Real American for Hulk Hogan. Just like, just a ridiculous fucking song. Say your prayers, eat your vegetables. It's just like. Do a bunch of anabolic steroids. (laughs) And you can be just like me, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. He was just such a ridiculous farce that that's what he told kids. Yeah. Say your prayers, eat your vegetables. Yeah. And and you can. You can be six foot eight and three hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, um, yeah. That and that song is just amazing. I play it every Fourth of July as soon as I wake up because it's just fucking so lame to do that. I don't know why I do it, but I love it. Um, yeah. So without further ado, let's get into it. Dan, what do you have up for us as your uh, as your pick? So my number five for best wrestling, best wrestling, wrestling, best wrestling theme songs is. Rollin' by Limp Bizkit. Uh, this is off their album Significant Other in 1999. Uh, this song was used by The Undertaker during his 99 flip. Um, he was even in interviews, talk now, later interviews, talking about how he was considering retiring because he thought the dead man gimmick had kind of run its course and wasn't that interesting anymore. I mean, at that point, he had been doing it for almost 20 years. And so he decided to, I'm sorry, 20, 10 years. Like, whoa. Um, so almost 10 years that he had been doing it. So he decided, you know, I need something new. And his new flip was to be the American Badass, where he would wear jeans and cowboy boots and a vest and a do-rag with sunglasses. It was honestly the fucking worst. It was awful. <laughs> the only good thing to come out of it was he did have, uh, he changed his finishing move from the tombstone to the last ride uh, uh, powerbomb, which, I mean, you know, a dude that's like seven feet tall lifting you well above his head and then powerbombing you is a pretty big, you know, strong style move. It was pretty fucking awesome. Uh, but with this song, Limp Biscuit actually played this live on the ring slash ramp at the WrestleMania 19 to intro The Undertaker. Uh, you mean American is, Badass. It's like the most ridiculous. They had background dancers yes, in the ring with Fred Durst. I mean, it was like fucking insane, man. It was the most dumb shit you'd ever seen. And, you know, people loved it. I mean, people loved Limp Bizkit at that time. 
So it was pretty crazy. Dude, that was like peak TRL Limbiscuit. Oh, also, shit. Um, I put that this was on Significant Other. This was from Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. Yeah, it was. This was not on Significant Other. Um, so my bad about that. Get your Limp Bizkit facts right I know. There. I'm such an asshole. Um, but also with The Undertaker, uh, dude had 21 total WrestleMania victories. And then also in that 21, competed, completed the quote-unquote streak of 18 straight WrestleMania victories without losing before finally dropping one to Brock Lesnar in 2014. I don't know what you're saying. Those are premeditated ends and finishes. Doesn't matter, man. He won 18 straight. That's fucking awesome. Like, it became such a, like, high-level exciting thing to see if he would lose. Like, it was such a, oh, man, maybe this will be the one. Maybe that'll be the one. And then it just, it never was. Um, <laughs> I just love the fact that, that Fred Durst saved The Undertaker. Like, that, that's the reason. Fred Durst is, is the reason that he, he continued. It's really funny that that gave him the, the energy needed. Fred to Durst. Come back. Yep. You know, I always thought Rollins' lyrics were really inspiring, too. So that makes sense. Also, one of his greatest matches of all time uh, happened at WrestleMania, at WrestleMania 25 against Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid. If you haven't seen that match, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's like fucking insane, man. I've never seen such a, like, awesome like dynamic shift back and forth of like who has the edge who doesn't like trading finishing moves sweet chin music the big elbow the power or the uh the power bomb the tombstone the choke slam he does the diving lariat he does the tightrope walk it's fucking awesome man uh so yeah wrestling wrestling so all right with that dave uh what's your next pick for your fifth favorite uh wrestling theme all right up at number five for me is the gangrel slash the brood theme um i don't know if gangrel actually used this on his own but it, he definitely did when all of the brood came out in the most like over the top entrance of anybody on my list so for anybody who doesn't remember who this group was, they I think they were originally part of Undertaker's ministry and then separated into their own thing. And it was Gangrel, Edge, and Christian. And Gangrel uh, had like these fucking, I think they're actually real vampire teeth and he still has them to this day. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, but he would the three of them would come up and like it would just be this red strobe light. And then the three of them would come up from like underneath the stage yeah, like a riser would like a, like a riser and it would just be this fucking ring of fire and the three of them would come up and then they'd walk down like bobbing their heads to the song and then Gangrel would take a he'd put like a chalice yeah he had a chalice the whole time that was that was filled with fake blood I'm assuming or like just red water and he would just take this big sip and then just like spray it out like he was like LeBron James before LeBron James it was like I know Edge and Christian ended up being like much bigger wrestlers after that. Yeah, Edge went on to be WWE champion. Yeah, yeah. So, and and I think uh, in an interview, he Gangrel like actually like describes like, oh yeah, I knew the whole time that he was going to be huge, and they basically told me like, yeah, you're just like, you know, you're you're going to be the the guy that helps get this storyline yeah. going. He was like the gimmick to launch the yeah, superstar. Yeah, exactly. And and honestly, like he wasn't a very memorable wrestler in any regard he did get hung by the undertaker at one point which is fucking nuts he just like hung him on the side of a ring during some like big tag team match which is i still can't believe they got away with that shit but whatever um but for like for somebody like gangrel to be like a somewhat unknown not very memorable guy to have like a big ass fucking cool entrance like this i thought was i thought was awesome so all but one of my um uh, choices today were written by the same guy and this that guy also wrote the fourth the, the oddball one too which is crazy uh his name's jim johnston and then i saw an interview with him about this song and um he he doesn't remember what the what's being said in the beginning he said like one of the production guys said like either i'm ready or i'm dead and buried and he, he couldn't recall what it was um but he said that he had that like wah sound that they get in this song with the guitar, he had three wah pedals and he was trying all three of them and none of them were doing what he had hoped that they would, they would do. So he just recorded the guitar normally and then just put it through two different equalizers 
and got to like the mid-range sound that he wanted to and then just recorded himself just turning it up and right back down into a microphone through the equalizer which i thought was kind of nuts so like this guy is like like an, a very, very smart and talented person. He wrote, like, almost everyone's theme song. Like a real composer. But he's, like, a legit, like, like audio technician and producer. Like, this guy knows his shit. And obviously was able to write a bunch of, like, memorable <laughs> fucking songs for people. Like, you can, like, maybe it's just because that's how we grew up. But, like, all of these things, like, you can identify them almost by, like, the first sound. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he almost created a character out of each one of these songs, which is yeah. really fucking to hard to do. And to write, you know... To write, you know, arguably 40 different songs that sound nothing alike mm-hmm. is pretty insane. Yeah. And you can kind of hear, like, there's some influence in each one of them for, like, you know, maybe it's trying to sound like this artist or that artist. But, like, you know, that's that's what happens. Like, people do that all the time. Like, that's how commercial music gets written. But also, like, in in this interview, he said that he, at one time, they would just be like, hey, man, um, somebody's wrestling tonight. They're debuting. We just need whatever. It doesn't even have to be good. And he's like... I have an hour and a half. Like he actually had an hour and a half one time to write somebody's theme song. It's <laughs> it doesn't even insane. need to be good. I just need something like, to play when they walk out. But it's like, okay, I understand that. But like, I've got a reputation. Like I'm not just going to put out like, whatever. This this could be this guy's one shot. You well, know he, what I mean? Like if it's this person's debut, this could be their only chance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Like it's, it's they walk out and they're just playing some dumb bullshit right might be like and and this guy took pride in his work clearly because you know all the ones that like i said four of my five are his and the fifth one he also co-wrote which is crazy yeah i mean he's like the john williams of wrestling theme he is yeah and he but in an interview he gushes about john williams and he's like we're not even like the same species like he's like what he does and what i do are not the same like don't don't ever put us in the same category yeah that's pretty funny. Yep. All right, cool. So that was that was my fifth pick. Dan, what's up next for you? All right, so up next for me is a entry from the AEW world. Uh, this is for my favorite current tag team in AEW. Though I've, uh, I haven't seen them in a little bit. Uh, this is from the Butcher and the Blade, uh, which is the tag team. Also, Bunny, uh, their manager, uh, also comes out to this. I love this song, man. It's like super intense. It almost sounds like Nails, uh, if you know that band. Uh, really intense, like grindy, hardcore, like beat downy, power violency. Like it's really, really, really heavy, and I love it so much. Um, and then it has this big, goofy, like almost like synthy envelope filter guitar over top of it. Uh, but this is the tag team of uh, Andy Williams and Braxton Stutter. Uh, Andy Williams, who you may also know as the other guitar player for Every Time I Die, which is his full-time gig. And then when not on the road with the band, as he hasn't been since COVID hit, uh, doing more and more stuff with AEW Wrestling as The Butcher. Um, It really... So AEW, like WWE, doesn't generally use uh, licensed music and creates a lot of their stuff in-house. And their uh, AEW music producer is named Mikey Ruckus, uh, who creates a lot of these songs. And almost none of them sound the same at all. That's the most wrestling guy name I've ever heard. Mikey Ruckus? Yeah. Bring it. Bring the motherfucking Ruckus. (laughs) Holy shit. Um, That can't be real. But yeah, this song fucking slaps. It's so good, man. Uh, Butcher and the Blade are amazing. Andy Williams is like a fucking fucking brick shithouse, dude. He's so gigantic. Um, it's so good. And then he's got that, like, Mike Tyson punch-out villain mustache, too. <laughs> it's absolutely awesome. Uh, if you're not watching AEW, it's the only decent wrestling product that's being put out right now. WWE's garbage currently. I said it. Um, I don't watch it. The same people winning over and over. The last great match I saw was that women's championship match at uh, WrestleMania Part 1. Uh, but, yeah, so I prefer AEW. Uh, so fair enough. Yeah, with uh, with I mean, there's not really too much more to say about that. Uh, this team tag team is fairly recent, um, only existing in the last like five or six years or so. So there's not a ton of history to promote for them. So with uh, with that, Dave, I'm gonna kick it to you for uh, your next favorite uh, wrestling theme song. All right, up next for me is Know Your Role. 
It's the song for The Rock when he was a wrestler. And I guess, does he still come out sometimes? He does come back occasionally. Yeah, I thought I saw, I thought I've seen some highlights of him recently. I don't, I don't watch wrestling anymore, which you'll be able to tell because all of these picks are from like the early 90s <laughs> or late 90s, excuse me, early 2000s. Um, this is just one of those, again, another Jim Johnston song. It's just another one that's like immediately recognizable. You know exactly who it is the second you hear the voice. It didn't always have his um, vocal parts on it. Vocal parts, I'm, I guess that's kind of a stretch. But um, he, <laughs> I think it was kind of smart of them to just jam this intro with like all of his catchphrases because like that was part of the fun of the rock was oh, like that he was just always like. He had so many. Yeah, he was just always shit talking and always saying like weird new catchphrases and oh, just dude. like jam them all in here. It's just like perfect. What's your name again? It, it doesn't, doesn't matter what, what your, your name, name is. is. Yeah, like the fact it this song is literally just a guitar solo with the rock riffing his <laughs> his fucking catchphrases over top of it. It's great. Dude, he was um, the best, man. Yeah. Easily easily the best on mic performer the WWE ever had. Oh yeah, and it's easy to see how he was able to transition into acting because he would do that like that like fucking eyebrow thing and like he was like like I get a lot of it's like the pageantry of of wrestling, but he really I think carried a lot of that the oh, other man. guys around him. He had so much insane like he yeah. would stand there in the ring, he would take the microphone and do like the the arm straightening kind of thing. Yeah, hold it up to his head and just not talk for ten seconds. And the place would be silent. Like, insane, man. The, the yeah. crowd control that he had was... Like, he would just... Let me tell you. And, like, no one would talk. He yeah. would just stand there. Dude, he... Yeah, he... he incredible. He really could control... Like, like I said, it's, it's really easy to see how he was able to transition so well into acting. Because he... Like, you could tell that he just had a flair for it. Like, he, he was... He was leading everybody and... and just carrying kind of like he could go up there for like 15 minutes and talk by himself and everyone would listen he, to every word he would come out not even wrestle for the night yeah but just cut a 10 minute promo yeah and he would leave and people would be like man the rock's the best did you believe that yeah <laughs> dude it was amazing he was incredible An, a once in a lifetime talent yeah and, well yes for wrestling and luckily we're still you know able to watch all of his awesome movies now too and some movies like it's basically just like what if a professional wrestler was in the Rampage video game? Like, like some of them are just ridiculous <laughs> ideas that I don't fucking. What if watch The them. Rock was in Fast and Furious? Yeah, just throw. <laughs> they're just throwing anybody in there now. I'm gonna be in Fast and Furious 10. Actually, that would be sick. Yeah, it would be. I'll just be like driving my car regular speed. It's so fucking. <laughs> You're just boring. in the scene. They just like drive past you, and you go, "Oh gosh, driving like a maniac." Yeah, right. Like, oh god, thank thank God he's gonna draw the cops' attention. I can go a little faster now. I feel like yeah. that would be such a great bit to like, like have someone like really super famous, like put Daniel Day Lewis in it, <laughs> but just have him be like a quick scene where they like fly by him racing, and he just goes, "Guys, driving like a maniac." That would be funny, actually. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's my uh, Ode to the Rock. Uh, Dan, what do you have up next for us? So my next pick for favorite WWE or yeah, WWE favorite wrestling intro music is Mick Foley, uh, Mankind, Cactus Jack, Dude Love, when he adopted the Car Wreck theme song. Uh, this is my favorite theme that he had. It's so good, man. It was. It has the same kind of like pop that like a big show theme song or like the rock does where like you don't even need the music to hit the car wreck hits and you're immediately like yeah fuck yeah man it's here he comes and he was he was such like the only wrestler i ever saw that had the same body type as me <laughs> like, <laughs> he wasn't some big jacked fucking greased up muscle dude he was just this like kind of slobbish chubby guy in a denim vest <laughs> or in, in like in like sweatpants and white sneakers that would just come out and just get the absolute hell beaten out of him and would be the most entertaining he got later in his career man he got so entertaining on the microphone and then he would take over as the WWE commissioner and he would come out and like screw people over or give like the face that you wanted to win he'd give them like 
All of a sudden, you walk out and be like, you know what, Triple H? Guess what? Tonight's a fucking title match, and The Rock's going to take <laughs> it from you. Um, he had a great pairing where he was tag team partners with The Rock, and they were The Rock and Sock Connection. Uh, when he moved from the mandible claw to Socko, and he would pull the sock out from, like, his dick. Yep. <laughs> like, put the sock Pretty on much. and hit people with it. It was just, it was so fucking perfect, man. That uh, was, like, his, the one wrestling move as a kid that, like, you n- you wanted nobody to do to you. Yeah. And that you yeah. were 100% confident was real. Yeah. Like, that's real. If he grabs you on your throat like that, you are paralyzed and you'll die. Yep. Uh, um, that one sock. But, uh, took. Yeah, the one sock. Not all those smash moves where you crush the back of your spine into the concrete floor. <laughs> but um, he also was part of some of the biggest and greatest matches in WWE history. The legendary Undertaker Hell in a Cell. Dude. Um, I mean, what could have beaten that? It was insane, man. That was, I was the most off ridiculous the top thing. and then through the cage. And the through the cage part was an accident. It wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, there's a great interview with The Undertaker where he talks about that, where he said... When he saw that cage give way and Mick fall that 20 feet into the ring, he's like, I seriously was standing there thinking, I just watched him die. He's dead. And he's like, there's no way, like, there's no way he's surviving this. Um, Also, uh, as a last little tidbit, uh, Mankind also, or Mick Foley, I should say, uh, made his WWE debut as Mankind in 1996 after being in the ECW and WCW as Cactus Jack from 91 to 96, and then later in 97 would appear as Cactus Jack and Dude Love in the WWE before the 1998 Royal Rumble when he appeared as all three characters in the Royal Rumble. So he would get out as Mankind, come back as Cactus Jack, get out (laughs) as Cactus Jack, come back as Dude Love. It was amazing. Oh, like, so good. He was the great aspect of wrestling, not being afraid to like laugh at itself a little bit. Yeah. And just being like, you know what, man? The pageantry and over-the-top goofiness of this shit, we shouldn't be ignoring it. It's not the downside of this business. It's the plus side. Like, not everything has to be, you know, dudes getting jumped in the parking lot and like people having like, you know, being hung from the rafters and stuff like that. Like, some of it can be a guy pulling a sock out of his jock strap and grabbing another dude's face with it. <laughs> and I feel like Mick Foley absolutely encompassed all of that. He was incredible and also was kind of disrespected by some of the legendary wrestlers. Uh, Ric Flair once called him a uh, glorified stuntman and said that he didn't think he was much of a wrestler at all. And then later in his life, uh, reneged on that a little bit and decided to respect mankind Mick Foley. But I think all the guys that wrestled with him and knew him all respected the hell out of him. They all talked about how he was tough as nails. He was hard as shit. And I'm, I'm talking about him like he's dead, even though he's not, but he's, he's got a lot of CTE issues, man, from over the years. Uh, his daughter has come out and said like, he can't button a shirt Oh man! Um, after all of his injuries and stuff. So I hope that he gets better or find some treatment that helps him out because he was such an awesome part of my childhood, and he's incredible. He and seemed seemed like one of the best dudes in wrestling, too. Like, I don't remember the name of the documentary that I watched. It may have been, like, Beyond the Mat or something yeah. like that, where it was, like, it mostly focuses on Jake the Snake, who is not a great dude at all. And, you know, partly it's because of some of the sh- shit that he struggles with. But then they, they would show Mick Foley... Like, get done a match, and then just, like, his wife and kids are there. And they would, like, travel with him, and he would just immediately come to them and talk to them. And he was just, like, a great dad. Yeah. And it was, like... Everyone in that this... business loved him. Yeah, he talked he about how much dude. of a good dude he was. And yeah. how he would help out the younger guys and help the new guys get acclimated to the life of being on the road all the time. I mean, he's, he's incredible. Yeah. And, well, uh, he's still with us. He is still with us, and I hope he's still with us for a long time. Same. All right, so, Dave, with that, what's your next pick for... Uh, Favorite wrestling theme song. All right. Up next for me is the only one that isn't entirely written by Jim Johnston, even though he does take part in it. It is the Shawn Michaels theme song, Sexy Boy. Um, Now, this is like pre-internet. I had a friend who could literally sing this song, like every lyric of this song, like before you could even look up lyrics on the internet. It's, It's so great. So... 
this one was written by uh, Jimmy Hart, who was also a wrestler, mostly known for being a wrestling manager, and then wrote uh, a good amount of themes, not quite as many as Jim Johnson did, but he did write some themes for, for other wrestlers too. Um, this is easily my favorite of the ones that he did. This is like, uh, Shawn Michaels was so fucking cool, and this song, like, is, like, corny as the lyrics are. Dude, he was... It's just, like, so... He was, was just so cool back then. He was a good babyface wrestler, man. Yeah. Dude, when he'd get in the middle of the ring, and he'd do that, like, straddle, and then the yep. flex, and the fireworks would shoot off in a row behind him. Yeah, he like, literally oh. is just doing, like, a, a quad stretch, like, yeah. and flexing his biceps at the same time. Yeah, oh, man. And then, dude, the Sweet Chin music is one of the all-time great oh, yeah, wrestling moves ever. Like, not many guys I remember kicking that high. So that was like, dude, his uh, his ladder match uh, was it him and Bret Hart. I don't remember who it was against, but they had some memorable. One ones of the most together. legendary moments that he ever had was he got to the top, could grab the belt, turns and looks at the opponent laying on the ground, and instead of grabbing the belt, dives off the top of this twenty foot ladder for the big fucking elbow drop. And it was like the greatest moment ever, man. Dude, he had he had some notorious like uh, fucking people over moves. The, the Montreal screw job. Uh, so like they talk about how he wasn't in on that, or he tried to say. See, I, I he wasn't in on that. And I've heard that no he, fucking. Yeah, way. he one hundred percent is. It was him and Vince McMahon were the only ones in on it because wasn't Bret Hart's contract up? And they're like, well, he's leaving anyway. Why would we let him be champion? And so yeah, the last second they whole, fucked him over. They were trying to. So, like, I understand both sides of it, of the WWE saying, we need to move in a different direction mm -hmm. and get more adult and more story-oriented and more, you know, whether you agree with it or more like, uh, you know, soap opera-y yeah. uh, to promote this and get more adult, whereas Bret Hart wasn't about that stuff. He didn't want to play a character. Right. He didn't want to have angles. Yeah. He always wanted to be the good guy. Yeah. And like he, he was, just wanted to get out there and wrestle. He was an incredible wrestler, but he was just his character was boring. Yeah, and that's what they wanted to get away from, so they did it in the worst fucking way yeah, possible. Yeah, I should say too that Jimmy Hart, who wrote this song, is in no way related to Bret Hart. That's just a coincidence. Um, also, um, I'm gonna bring up. I guess this is like kind of how Shawn Michaels, like, so he was originally part of the Rockers with um, Marty Jannetty, and. Um, he kind of screws Janetti over in like in a match, and that's when Shawn Michaels kind of becomes this like bad boy persona. Was, was that when was Marty Janetti the guy he threw through the uh, plate glass window? I don't think so, but I don't remember. But the reason I bring that up because this is a music podcast is there's actually an action Bronson song called "The Rockers." Oh yeah, <laughs> hit him with the drop kick, Marty Janetti. It's such a great course. Um, so yeah, if you if you're uh, into action Bronson, that's a great song, <laughs> and just oh, made me laugh the first time I heard it because it's just so fucking. Funny. Also, fun fun tidbit about Shawn Michaels. Um, as one of the original two members of Degeneration X, correct. Um, because Shawn Michaels, if you don't, if people don't know this, Shawn Michaels after the, I guess at the start of the '90s, tail end of the '90s, sorry, uh, became a very devout, born again Christian. I did not know he that. Dedicated himself to his faith, and so therefore would never say "suck it." If you but ever watch any of the clips, he would do the move, and he would go, "If you if you like don't like that, we got two words for you," and he'd throw the mic up. He would never say it on mic. Interesting. Uh, because he, I don't know, God told him not to. Uh, hmm. Well, that'll happen. But, uh, yeah, so he would never say it. Um, Interesting. So that's like a funny little tidbit. If you watch any of those old matches, you can see he never says it. Interesting. And, uh, weird little I'll have to go back fact. and watch every one of them. All right. Well, uh, with that, Dan, uh, what is your number two pick? So it was really hard for me to decide between... The two, my top two of which one is better. So I chose the one that I saw get more pop. And so this is my number two. But I think this might be the best like song. Like if you never attributed this to wrestling, this song might not even be bad. And you might be into it. Uh, this is No Chance in Hell, the Mr. McMahon Corporation theme. Uh, it is also a song by Jim Johnston, who wrote 
every song from the WWE from 1994 to current time. Uh, who I don't think he still does the music for them, but no, they he fired wrote him. Every single one of these songs. Yeah, he uh, worked there for 32 years, but he does not anymore. Jesus, 32 years. That's mm-hmm. insane. Um, this song was used by Vince, Linda, and Stephanie McMahon. And Shane, if he was rolling with Vince, would have this. But obviously, Shane O'Mac had his own theme. Way uh, less cool. That's way less cool. Uh, I mean, just this, when it finally hits the no chance in hell, is so good, man. And it's such a great dickheadish theme for, like, the worst boss you've ever had. Yep. Um, it's so perfect. They debuted the song in 1999 when the Raw is War started getting popular and the Monday Night Wars were hitting and Vince started his, like, feud with, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin and he was seen as the, like, you know, the rich, successful, like, gregarious bad guy boss um, that they would start to use this theme. And I think it's it's just so outstanding, man. Uh Vince McMahon was such a great, such a great character, and then like learning more about behind the scenes and how much he really is that fucking character. Is how he, much is he the one that like won't let people sneeze in the room with him? Dude, yeah, he's like he's like a lunatic. Yeah. Like he full on will like make people be like a cowboy character just because he thinks it's funny to like make them suffer through that for six months <laughs> and then let them be something normal. Yeah, um, but while they're also an independent contractor the entire time. Yeah, they're also independent contractors, so he doesn't have to give them health insurance or yep. benefits. Even though they're, like, dying at an alarming rate. Even though they get concussions every single night that they work. Yep. Uh, but, man, what an entertaining... <laughs> what an entertaining asshole. <laughs> like, we still we still watch football. It has the same thing. I mean, but football players get millions of dollars. So I guess that's the difference. Uh but yeah, so with that, Dave, uh, what is your number two uh, wrestling All right. theme song? So speaking of Vince McMahon's main rival during the time, this is the Stone Cold Steve Austin entrance. You obviously know it the second you hear the glass break. Um, and for me, this was a tough one between two and one. Um, just be- This one's just so, the second you hear it, you know exactly what it is. Like there's no mistake about it. Um, you can see videos of whole crowds explode. Yeah, the second the glass breaks, it's just like, oh, what, 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 what? Like, yeah, it's so cool. He was, he was my favorite wrestler back in the day. So like, I just loved every time I heard it. It just made me happy. Like he's just like going up there, plain ass fucking outfit, just black, and then just like catching beers from a rocket somewhere on the other side of the yeah. arena. We never talk the about the cannon that was chucking those beers to him. Yeah, that, that guy, guy never missed. No, he that guy that guy had to be like a like an arena football quarterback or something. Yeah, dude, like, like strikes right down right over the plate every single time. Yeah, you never saw him miss one. No, it was unbelievable. Um, so again, another Jim Johnston masterpiece here. Um, he has a quote when uh, they asked him. So he would he would try to tailor each song to the wrestler, um, which I think was part of what made all of these so successful, um, and part of the reason why like you know. 20 years later, we're still talking about these theme songs. So in describing how he came up with the beginning of it and 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 Steve's theme, he says, Steve was the this ass kicker of a guy who did not enter a room with subtlety. He needed something that reflected that. And I think breaking glass and sounding like you're going into a car crash is kind of like the best way to, to, to encapsulate that. Yeah, um, I mean, it was it's perfect, man. Yeah. It's, like, just the right amount of, like, rock parts, too, that aren't, like, too cheesy. Because, like, especially now, like, they're, like, real fucking corny. Um, yeah. Like, this was still just, like, a... It, it could have been, like, a like a song you heard on the radio. It, it, th- this guy was just so fucking talented. I can't believe he did all of these. It's insane, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I don't know... Steve Austin, I don't think, does anything still, but he did come back every once in a while. And this was always the theme. Like, you could never walk away from this one. The glass break, the second that happens, everybody knows who's coming. Like, there's... Yeah. Cool. All right, well, that was number two for me. Dan, what is your number one favorite fucking wrestling theme song of all time? Wrestling theme song. Okay, so I want to set the stage real quick. So Have to. It's, it's 19, before, we, before we cut the music on. So, it's 1999... 
It is the end of the WWE versus WCW sort of war back and forth. The Monday Night Wars, everything that's going on. Some of the mergers start to happen. Some, some, uh, some people start defecting from one or the other. Some people are switching sides, going everywhere. And it is Monday Night Raw, August 9th, 1999. The Rock is center ring, cutting a promo, getting the whole crowd riled up. And for weeks ahead of this, there had been a countdown coming up on the screen that would say T-minus six days, 10 hours, and 14 minutes until finally, as The Rock's cutting this promo, you see a five, four, three that interrupts him, two, all the lights go out. It's completely dead. And this song cues up with a strange background image. You're like, what is this? And then it finally drops and all of a sudden huge across the screen, Jericho. And Chris Jericho, the lights come on. He's got his back to the crowd. I've never seen a pop so fucking big in wrestling as that crowd when that hit, man. They lost their fucking minds. It was so exciting. Even watching it now, if you pull it up on YouTube, you can vicariously feel that excitement and enthralling joy when that dude came out. And he finally defects and declares Y2J has arrived. Raw is Jericho. And decides he's taken over Monday Night Raw from now on. He had incredible mic skills. He had an insane move set with the lion tamer. He would do the moonsault off the ropes. Like, he was incredible, man. He he would have great feuds with uh, a late wrestler who shall not be named because he murdered his whole family. Oh, He had yeah. great feuds with uh, Eddie Guerrero. He had awesome feuds with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was great, man. I can't. I can't describe how good I thought he was. And then after getting tired of the business of WWE and dealing with Vince McMahon, decided that he would pair with some other investors, get some wrestlers from defected or other smaller groups and started AEW all elite wrestling, which now I think is the premier product for American wrestling. It is the number one package. It is better than WWE. And I think that, Jericho is the is the main force behind that. He was the name that allowed them to flourish. Yeah, man, he was such a great like cuz he wasn't really like a heel, he was just like a rival. So it was yeah. like you could root for him and it didn't feel gross. It he was such a fascinating character. In, yeah, he was never he was never like the face though. Like he No, he he was never the good on guy. Side. He would yeah. use dirty little tricks, but like people he was like the nature boy Ric Flair. Where like he was the heel, but you like fucking loved him because he was so funny and goofy and like he would. I remember him referring to people like he would pronounce their names wrong and on purpose. <laughs> yeah. um, I forgot about that. He had a great bit that he did uh, in the early mid two thousands about the list, and you would make the Jericho's list, and then he would like fuck you up on like a later episode. Um, he had a great partnership and then feud with Kevin Owens. Uh, towards the end of his WWE run, that was great, and I feel like didn't get the push it deserved. Um, so yeah, that's my number one man. Nice. Chris Jericho defecting and joining the WWE was so exciting, man. He brought so much heat and so much pop to that debut. Uh, it was incredible. Nice. People loved him, and there's a reason why he was great. Yep, and it still is great. So uh, with that, Dave, what is your number one for? wrestling theme songs all right up at number one for me it should be pretty obvious now that this is the only one left but the degeneration x theme song it's just man it's it beats out stone cold for me because this was like a movement like everyone in elementary school everywhere you went was just telling people to suck it like they legit were they were by far like I said Stone Cold was my favorite back then but DX was like the coolest thing in wrestling at that point there was nobody cooler everybody thought they were the best everybody wanted they were they were the the thing that everyone wanted to watch as soon as they came on it was on just screen. like six huge personalities it was and it worked perfectly like they all played well off each other 
it is kind of weird, like, watch, like looking back on it. They wore some of the fucking worst outfits I've ever fucking seen anybody wear when they first came out. Like, Xbox got them, like, just straight up fucking overalls. They would always have those, like, yeah. oversized Xbox uh, overalls football so jerseys. Sick. I will not have you tarnish my man. Uh, they, they weren't anywhere near as bad as Triple H coming down in a leather jacket, straight up mom jeans, and just, like, solid black shoes like he's going to ref, like, a, <laughs> like an intramural basketball well, you, game you, after that's done. You can pull that off when you're nine feet across. Yes, I guess so, yeah. But, dude, how about uh, how about Mr. Ass with his, like, yes. hot, with his hot pants? Yep. Yeah, oh, and and those two, or no, Mr. Ass. Was it Mr. Ass that was with Road Dog? Yeah, yeah. Billy Gunn. Yeah. Mr. Ass. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm an ass man. They, they had great great themes on their own, and then the, oh, you didn't know? That's also a great theme song, but the DX one is just is so much better, and it's it's all of them together. And um, they, just, they had great finishers. Yes. Like, I mean, the Triple Bronco H, Buster. Triple H with the pedigree. I mean, I think Triple H may probably be... One of the greatest heels wrestling's ever seen. Yeah, because um, he betrays Shawn Michaels once he comes back. Yeah, yeah, it's like he was so good, and like he was great. The pedigree is sick. Yeah. Uh, never seen another person do it. Totally original move. Uh, Billy Gunn had the fame asser. That was great. Where it would be yep. like that weird leg drop. Road Dog would do that like shimmy, shake, shadow, shake, rattle, and roll punch thing that was awful, but. And then X Pac would have the the Bronco, the Bronco Buster, Buster, which was always great and until the X you factor. until you watched him do it to China when they were both naked, because because <laughs> that's a video that you uh, one can night buy. In China, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yo, R.I.P. Man. Yeah, R.I.P. That is super sad. Story. Yeah, that's. Uh, there's it's, a. It's there's, all tragic stories in wrestling, man. There's, there's a Vice but. documentary series called Dark Side of the Ring. Yes. Um, that talks about a lot of the tragic stories, and she has a whole episode dedicated to her that is just it's it's fucking rough man yeah it's it's a shame it's rough for most of them but yeah mistreatment um, from the fans from the business from and and that was back wrestlers that was back when like um people especially in wrestling were not treating women with the same level of respect that they're treating them now dude they used to have like nightgown matches yeah they would have like bra and panty matches like that was like a regular thing lingerie matches they would do like Mud mat, like it was yeah. like ridiculous, man. Yeah, it the was. women's division now is real and like awesome. Like those women can fucking wrestle like crazy, dude. I haven't watched, but I've been, I've heard and been told that it's like actually they like actually respect them, dude. They're incredible. So that's good. Same, same with AEW. Like their women's division is sick. Good. Like they're actually really great wrestlers, and rather than just being like, oh, let's just get models and like kind of have them wrestle, like mm-hmm. no, fuck that, dude. Like if you're gonna be here, you're gonna fucking wrestle. Nice. That's great. Um, and you know it's oh, it's so good. And just like Very with cool. the men's division, you know, I mean, they still want people that look good too. But sure. like, you know, you, there's not a lot of Mick Foley's that get to make it through. No, um, but no, there's not. Every once in a while, I mean, Kevin Owens is a dude. You know, he's not this big shredded guy. He's a pretty big deal in WWE. But I don't think that he'll ever get the push of like Seth Rollins and some of these fucking jabrones that are out right now. I don't even know. I I know Seth Rollins. I have no idea who the Owens yeah, guy yeah, is. Yeah, like Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns. Like I know those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like Kevin Owens, yeah, he's not a he's not a household name yet. No, clearly not. I have no. I've never heard of him. But like I said, I I, I really didn't watch. I don't. Maybe it was when like Stone Cold left and The Rock left that I kind of stopped. It was probably a little bit before that. Yeah, I think a lot of people were out by the time the merge happened yeah i definitely was by the time that ecw wwe oh that's another one fuck i forgot about the rob van dam theme oh god damn it the whole did just incredible have a good show. theme i don't i always remember him um from I ecw i believe so the last thing i really vividly remember is when taz was coming over to yeah, WWE, the and they were doing like the weird count, but it would just like interrupt other people's themes, and I was just yeah. like, "What the fuck is this?" And then I think, right around then, I was just like, "You know what?" And then it turned out he was a horrible wrestler and like injured a lot of people with this. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah, he was yeah, a great, a great commentator. Yeah, and, like he took over as like a ringside like color comment guy, but mm-hmm. like, fuck, dude, he like hurt people. Like his moves were fucking dangerous. That's like, no good. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't good. It's definitely one of those things like um, other professional sports where you really have to have a level of respect for the other person to like, in you know, have their best interest in mind. Especially in this, like, your outcome's predetermined ninety nine point nine percent of the time, unless it's the Montreal Screwjob or something like that. But like, 
you're 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 being told what's going to happen. You've got to like respect the other person enough to like take care of them essentially. Like you there's definitely moves where you can see like the other person like making sure they're good before they land or something like that. Like you don't want to be the one that kills somebody. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely yeah. don't. Like that's not cool. <laughs> oh, also uh, another thing I forgot, oh, dude, there were so many of them, like D'Lo Brown yes. got fired from the WWE after he, like, killed, like, three people. He did? Yeah. He, I did not know he that. He got fired, like, one person he dropped and they got, like, a serious spinal injury. Oh, like, wait, I kind of remember hearing about one of these. It turned out he was, like, these. drunk in the ring. It was, like, a nightmare. So he had, it wasn't necessarily a good song, but he had that, like, head, like, Yeah, he would come thing out and he could do, do the head thing. So um, <laughs> St- Steve Seibel, who does the sports podcast with me, can do the most incredible impression of that. The D'Lo Brown head thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. That's awesome. You'll have to ask him to do it the next time you see him. It's, it's, it's spot on. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, um, that was fun. It, definitely a different um, subject for us, but I think it was a cool way for us to combine a couple different interests and have a little bit more of like a lighter episode for everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed this. Um, if you had some others that we didn't bring up that you want to talk to us about, hit us up on social media and um, let us know what you thought and, and what you would have included instead. Dan, tell everyone where they can find us. All right, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at D&D Music Factory. That's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at at Lukewarm Steve Austin on Instagram and Dave at at DF Hughes Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, if you'd like to hear this week's songs without any of our witty banter or input, uh, the weekly playlist can be heard on Spotify. Search under D&D Music Factory for playlists, and you can subscribe to make sure you get notified when the list comes up each week. All right. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.